you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family... Look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. The Around the NFL podcast is concerned about hot butts. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys? Hey, Dan. Woo! Welcome to everybody watching live right now on, I call it the scope. Uh, I'm not a millennial, but I'm trying to skew younger. Isn't that mouthwash? Um, no, that's just regular scope. Oh, okay. The scope is what I call it. <laughs> I think you're on to something. Um, people on Periscope watching live, everyone can do that every Sunday. Uh, that's how we do this thing. Uh, and for everyone else... Thank you for joining another edition of the Around the NFL podcast sponsored by Mr. Flames Economics Class in The Hague, the Netherlands. Mr. F. A Sunday of football. Let me a little fun fact, guys. And I didn't even need the NFL Media Research Group for this. If the playoffs start today, six of the 12 playoff spots come from two divisions. Mm-hmm. Name them, Mark. NFC East and NFC and AFC West. I Correct. Gather. How Quick about that? Math. How about that? It would be unfair, I feel like, if the season started today. You know, teams have played weird. a different amount of games. That seems, you know, pertinent. We haven't even gotten to Monday night football this week. It would be like a strike season. The whole season, the whole premise, a little faulty. A lot of people seem that that's like kind of a well-worn, and this isn't a shot against you, Greg, yeah. but a well-worn bit on Twitter and the like is whenever someone makes the reference, if the season ended today, it, but a, it's a, stupid a to do machine. in the middle of the actual day and the actual week. That's why. Just calm down. I'm just I saying, mean, seriously, when this calm week down. is over, that will be the situation. Six of twelve. By the way, it's, it, it speaks to the fact that what we would do is eliminate whatever whatever division you're in, a heap of trash NFL teams. And there are. It's a it's a pile. And the Cowboys. Mark and I root for two of them. The Cowboys would be considered a heavy Super Bowl favorite right now. Is that okay to talk about? No, I don't think that's true. Even. The old How is that not true? The old contrarian. Because ah, the Seattle Seahawks are in the NFC. You're talking about I'm not saying the team that Cowboys hasn't moved the offense. You're talking about a midseason, Greg. Yeah. Are you watching the Cowboys? 
Yeah, they're great. I'm saying I would heavy not put favorites. them over a heavy NFC favorite no matter what happens the rest of the way against Seattle. And that wretched, wild. that wretched uh, FS1 show, Undisputed, uh, one of the ads that's running over and over again during Sunday football is Skip Bayless say, saying something like, you know, or or Shannon Sharp being like. There's no way that the, the the Cowboys are the favorite to go to the Super Bowl. And then Skip's like, over my dead body. And that's like their hook. So we're not that far off what we're doing right now. we got to be careful. Just because the Cowboys are the hot team, we don't want to pander to the large Long audience. Long season. Long season. I, I'm with you. I That commercial seemed massively out, out, of, out of place as they were romping over Cleveland like playing, they were playing a Pop Warner team. Uh, all right, a lot of games to get to. Well, not too many games. This is for the. This is uh, along with week eight, the most teams that will be on by. Uh, six teams did not play this week, but still a lot of games to get to. And uh, I say, let's get to it. Let's have some fun, boys. Let's do it. And let's start. Oh, you know I like to start here, Wes. Interconference matchup at Lambeau Field. Luck looking to throw. Drops back to pass. Middle of the field. T.Y. Hilton's wide open at the 25 of Green Bay. And he's taken down at the 20-yard line. It's a gain of 27 with 2.09 to play here in the fourth quarter. Oh, the clinching reception there uh, by T.Y. Hilton. That was Tom McCarthy of Westwood One Sports. The Colts started their day with a 99-yard Jordan Todman kickoff return, sealed it with that big fourth-quarter hookup from Andrew Luck to T.Y. Hilton. When it ended, the Colts had a 31-26 win. And Chris Wessling, the Packers once again were facing questions about who and what the hell they are. They were. We found out that the Colts outplayed the Packers in all three phases and looked like the better team today. The Packers, last couple of weeks, went with that quick, short passing attack, getting all their wide receivers involved to replace the running game, and they didn't do that today. The Colts play man coverage, and the Packers went with their Mike McCarthy trademark isolation routes. None of the receivers were getting open against the Colts quartet of cornerbacks. They did, yeah, score, they did score 26 points, and when push came to shove, it wasn't garbage time either. They they had a chance uh, to get back in this game. They went right down the field a couple times in the fourth quarter. I love you know the the play that, that we listened to the play call, that the Colts did not run the ball heavily in that situation, that they went for it, that they gave the ball to their best player, Andrew Luck, and let him win the game. I believe that was a third and two, but the play that I was really impressed by was the previous uh, set of downs where Andrew Luck facing a third and long, oh, yeah. a blitzer coming off uh, the edge straight for him. He hangs in there a little, and this is where you have to have that special sense in the pocket, a little sidestep to avoid the pass rush, and then drops a perfect dime to Jack Doyle, Mark. And that was the that the Packers looked like they were coming back. They had scored twice rather easily. Once they did that, the Packers are on the ropes, and then they got finished we're off. We're coming off the two best games we've seen Aaron Rodgers play in probably two seasons and I know on Thursday when we talked about this game, critical of the Colts for being an incomplete team that is based around one player in too many ways. Looking at your write-up, they outplayed the Green Bay in all three phases. But do you, you know, these teams are a combined, what, eight and nine right now? Do you buy Indianapolis as a week-to-week proposition after this? I buy them as a team that can absolutely win the AFC South. They have the best player in the division, and, and we saw that with the game on the line today. Andrew Luck was a hoss. Your latest reminder, 
any jackals out there that come after Andrew Luck because the Colts aren't great. The guy is such a stud. As somebody who, again, watched suffer through bad quarterback play for my favorite team today, seeing some of the plays he makes, this guy is a monster if they ever put the right team. Well, and overcame two early mistakes, too. Yes. The first multi-interception first quarter of his career. Mm. But he, he bounced right back from that and led some some really impressive scoring drives. And you mentioned, Greg, that the Packers scored 26 points. But after 50 minutes of this game, they were set up to have their worst home loss in almost 10 years. Uh, and in this – even though they only lose by five, it has to be up there. I mean, how many worse losses did they have in Lambeau just looking at the opponent? Because I was wrong. I thought we were getting to the point with this Colts team that they have no chance to win against a quality team on the road. Maybe the Packers aren't a quality I team. Would, I, would put I mean, the, they're four and four. The Chicago Bears loss on Thanksgiving night on Brett Favre night last year. That was up there at Lambeau <laughs> that's, Field. That's, that's a worse bad. loss that than this. That's worse season loss. losses. But, yeah, they're 4-4, four and four, the Packers, and this is their worst record at the halfway point since 2009. And just when you think you could trust them, they deliver they, you know, stink bomb like this. So they're back where they started. I totally agree. I mean, I, I had, had Indianapolis rolled into Green Bay, and, and right now we were talking about them losing 41-10. to 10. I would not have been that surprised. This has to be one of the most surprising results of the day. All right, let's move on, gentlemen, to another NFC North team. Stafford checks his protection. He'll work out of the gun. Play clock at three. Matthews got it back, sets, looks, throws. He's got Golden Tate who makes the catch inside the 15, inside the 10, and he's breaking away. He's into the end zone. Pack the bags. Start the plane. This game is over. What a comeback by the Lions. Love it, Danny Miller, 760 WJR, facing near certain defeat in the final minute. The Lions got a 58-yard field goal from Matt Prater uh, at the final play of regulation before, yes, Golden Tate, what you just heard, flipped into the end zone on a 28-yard touchdown catch and run in overtime, the first possession in overtime by either team, lifting the Lions to a 22-16 win over the Vikings in Minnesota. Uh, a, A terrible loss. Mark Sessler... Uh, the Lions committed larceny on Sunday, stealing this game, and the team of ATL suddenly can't buy a win. Well, we need to. On Tuesday, we're going to need to have a chat about the team of ATL because Ooh. this is. Um, That's called a tease in the industry. What does by that the way. mean? That's a tease. I'll, you find out Tuesday. That's when you find out what it means. Wait, look in the camera. Okay. And that gives another little element of it. Another element, a little tease there, helping <laughs> well, the audio listeners at home. Tuesday. I, this is this is a fantastic <laughs> win me, for man. Detroit. Um, this is what they've been all year. They come down to this last possession, and they were largely shut out in the second half of this game by what is still a good Minnesota defense uh, until Matthew Stafford pulled off the late-game heroics, making them a much more interesting and fun watch, fun-watchable team than, than Minnesota is right now. And, and the, the Vikings have to be kicking themselves right now. This game would not have gone into overtime had Blair Walsh not A, missed a field, field goal, B, missed a critical extra point. you got to be Enough kidding me on that. Walsh. And there was a possession where Chad Greenway picks off Matthew Stafford at what I believe was the 18-yard line of the Lions, and the drive ends with the Vikings punting the ball. That is something that has not happened to a team. At, Kevin Patrick what, what pointed this out. Line? They started at the Vikings at the Detroit Lions' 18-yard well, line. they end up? Farther back, punting the ball. It's something that's not happened since October 2011. And the quarterback in that game who who had the same issue, Sam Bradford. So, look, 
this Vikings team is crumbling inside of itself based off of this offense. The defense could not have done more to put them into a position to win once again. And you can but, look. But the what? defense choked. I mean, that it's 23 seconds. The ball, they have 23 seconds. You're a defensive team. I, at, for everything that went into that game before that, right? Blair Walsh misses. The offense struggles. They, they put up a touchdown this is what, yeah. to go ahead with 23 seconds left. At that point, you're a defensive yeah, at team. That you point, win the game. At that point, they choked. But no how often out. are you going to ask How often are you going to ask the defense to save you? But that's this is what saving. happens. That's something you do that's, 99 I, times out I, of I hear you. I hear you. But come on. Mark. I mean, Minnesota did everything they could up leading up to that drive. Here. Stafford comes on the field 23 seconds ago at the 25. 23 seconds left. No timeouts. <laughs> and we got to give pra- Matt Prater a ton of credit. Yeah. Uh, even though he wore that earring Super Bowl media day and blew me <laughs> off, which was weird because, bro, you're a kicker. But at the same time, you bang home a 58-yarder, which would have been good for 65, by the way. Uh, you got to give the guy credit. But you you cannot let that happen. He, Stafford was able to uh, uh, spike the ball with two seconds to play. cannot happen. Well, you give up a touchdown in overtime, too, right off the bat. So I'm just saying it's a complete team loss. It is a complete team loss, and the defense has been an issue for a couple weeks. Let's not act like they're a top three defense right now. I'm just saying when your offense fails to deliver drive after drive after drive, the result will also be defensive collapse. We see this with other teams that are that one-sided. When your personnel dictates and your organizational philosophy is playing close games, you can't have a kicker. Like this yeah. on your roster. Nope. Got to make a move eventually. And, and Walsh, who uh, handled it well when he missed that kick last January, some of the reporters in Minnesota after this game said he was now melting in the gaze of the oh, no. cameras. Basically, he got he got upset with the reporters. It's going to happen. He said, "You ask the same question every week. Did you make it? Why did you know? Why did it not go in? If I had the answer, I would tell you." And then he muttered some other words that weren't fit and for for print. Wes, you made a good point uh, downstairs earlier t- uh, today that uh, once upon a time the Green Bay Packers had a similar issue with a kicker they quite liked in Mason Crosby, uh, who could not uh, find any consistency, and they hung with him, and now he's returned to being one of the better kickers in the league. That's the only way Minnesota still has this guy employed because they. Think Think that highly of him. The Buccaneers have game. a similar situation with Roberto Aguayo. The Buccaneers are not a playoff team. The Vikings are, and they play close games. The Packers used to blow everyone out and could afford for Mason Crosby. Are they a playoff team? That's they're in first place. I don't know. That's I mean, a good question. It feels like a, a lingering scenario that they're in first place. They are. I would say right now. They look like the third best team in the NFC North. Right. I mean, the, the the thing I think that kills them in this one is they made the offensive clutch drive. They they made it a 13-play, 80-yard touchdown drive to win the game. And so you felt like, okay, now it's kind of this if, – if, if they – had an incomplete pass instead of that completion, we'd be talking about what great mojo and everything they have, but to, to blow it after that. And also great. at home as well. The last bastion for them almost was they had this new home field advantage that seemed to carry them. And in a way that, you know, 5-0. and oh. What's that? Well, no, nothing. Go ahead. Oh, 5-0. and oh. Maybe they weren't quite a 5-0 and oh team. They, they caught some breaks and weren't scoring a ton of points, playing great defense. 5-3, and three, maybe that's kind of who they were anyway. They're a 9- or 10-win team. We'll see. I, I, I got to start. I got to win a football game, though. I do want to mention that we should give Golden Tate some credit on that last play to to win a game in overtime with a somersault where you land on your opponent is the biggest like stuff in someone's face that yeah. you can possibly do. I mean, it, it would annoy me if you're a, and you and you broke tackles from Xavier Rhodes and, and Harrison yeah. Smith. That, that is a ridiculous. You know what it reminds game. me of 
when on uh, the Real World Road Rules Challenge where CT picked up Johnny Bananas <laughs> and on his back carried him to the out-of-bounds sector and then dropped him off. Anybody <laughs> behind the glass know what I'm talking about? Is anybody following? That is the exact the parallel. That is the exact parallel. Well, you like took that from Mark's moment. write-up. That was in yes. the write-up, right? Uh, by the way, Sydney. Yeah. Hey, uh, one thing, uh, if we could take note, can we note that Dan Miller call? At the end of the season, I want to do like a top 10 calls of the year. Dan- Danny Boy makes the cut. Danny Boy right now makes the cut. He's in there the with bank. Jesse. Uh, let's move on and take a look at a uh, big AFC North matchup. And now Jordan Berry to punt. Devin Hester nestled at his own 20. High snap. Right foot. A kick is blocked. The Ravens block it. It's loose and wobbling at the 14. Scooped up and streaked back for a score. A block punt touchdown. Jerry Sandusky, WBAL. Ben Roethlisberger returned to the Steelers lineup on Sunday, but it did not have the intended effect for a team that couldn't do anything right, including that block punt for a score you just heard. The final 21-14, the loss to the Baltimore Ravens on Sunday. Uh, Greg Rosenthal, that's now three certified stinkers, I count, for Pittsburgh this season. This is a cause for major concern, right? Absolutely, because it's not because of Roethlisberger's injury. They lost 34-3 to when Roethlisberger was healthy. They were getting outplayed by Miami when Roethlisberger was healthy. He looked healthy to me today. I mean, I, I don't know. I can't get inside uh, how he was feeling, but he threw some dimes and some beautiful throws in the final eight minutes of garbage time. So it, it didn't look like Getting he his was, Blake Bortles on a, a little bit. It, they they got a little back into this game. But before that, it was the worst performance by any team on offense in the NFL this season. I don't think it was that close. Yes. Nine in their first 12 possessions, which is usually an entire game. Nine three and outs and two turnovers and then the block punt. Is that even their worst performance on the road this season? Both of the games you mentioned before, Miami. They moved moved the ball, at least. Miami and Philadelphia, they all came on the road. This one came on the road. This is a problem for the Steelers. And we have this image of Big Ben riding on a white horse to save this team whenever he's injured. In his career now, the first game back from injury, he's 2-6 and with a 72 passer rating. That almost speaks to, and we don't know how how he's feeling, but – in this race for him to be the heroic guy that always comes back and beats expectations. Maybe it's time for him maybe to take that extra week if, if they're going to play uh, like butt every time. Well, and we're used to Pittsburgh. Four or five years we've been doing this. Every year they're going to have that game where you say, that's not the Steelers, not today. And this is the third time they've done that. And it's there's going to be a fourth and a fifth because this looks like a 9-7, and 8-8 eight and eight team, and we're going to get one of those teams that wins this very average division, barring one of them rising up. The Ravens, who just snapped a four-game losing streak uh, in the first week of November, are now in first place. Yes, uh, tied. Four, I mean, that, and they play, Cleveland and they play Cleveland in four days. And, yeah. and I, I wouldn't be surprised if Pittsburgh gets it going and lights it up by the end of the year because they have these midseason lulls, and Can't then they do them, that, though. but they blow, they blow their chance to get a bye with games like this. Don't you think that this lull, I mean, because we talk about Big Ben riding in on the white horse because he's done this before. Maybe it's not just post-injury, but in general, when he's on the field, they've been the most explosive offensive in the AFC, and you trust them to get hot and maybe go to the Super Bowl if that's what it leads to. This doesn't feel like that team to me. I don't trust them right now. Is a Big Ben more like a ride-in on an ATV (laughs) without a helmet on type of guy? White yeah. horse seems a little too classy for him. Yeah, I don't see a That's lot of – he's not riding animals. He's not Prince Charming. It's like covered in mud. You know, obviously some of his buddies are trailing behind. There's beer cans <laughs> on the ground. Nobody wants to talk about what's going on potentially. 
I don't know. It's troubling. Uh, we should give some credit to the Ravens' defense. They were out there playing, shutting them down. This is a defensive They're a team. good defense. They're a good defense. They came out of the bye week uh, stuffing Le'Veon Bell. They doubled and tripled teamed Antonio Brown, and he called out the rest of his team, basically. If they're double and triple, triple teaming me, people got to step up. But I, I think today that, that person should have been Redden Roethlisberger. I mean, he missed throws. I mean, it was like accuracy problems more than anything. Well, Marcus Wheaton was a healthy scratch, and yep. Darius Hayward Bay, who was having a really good year, must have had a major injury. He had a serious foot ankle injury that did not look good. Sammy Coates, if he caught a pass with four minutes left here, they were within a score. They started moving the ball. The second it but was did he 21 drop it? nothing, but he dropped it. That, Sammy, it's his move. He's that, going to use That's it. what Sammy Coates does. We, uh, but but the, the Ravens' offense does not look any better. I mean, they really looked barely better than this. I mean, there's another offensive coordinator switch that, you know, sometimes these things go well. Mm. This has not gone well at all for them. They've not fixed anything. Their running game was a disaster on Sunday. Isn't it always at best the 50-50 proposition to do a battlefield promotion in this spot? Last time the Ravens did it, they won the Super Bowl, and Jim Caldwell got a job out of it. Right. Right. I mean, to expect it to happen again. 50-50, you're right. We we banged on them for not running the ball, and today they came out – They they tried to run the ball the entire game, the first half, the whole thing. Terrence West, Kenneth Dixon, 24 carries for 34 yards between the two of them. And we want to give didn't work. We want to give credit on balance to the Ravens for today's effort. We should not give credit to the kicker, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, Chris <laughs> yeah. Boswell, who with the the Steelers closed within a touchdown, they needed to recover an onside kick and and score again. So things were really stacked up against them. But Chris. Boswell got cute. <laughs> and the kick only goes a half yard. A second attempt of at the kick by Boswell further downfield. A flag is out. Steelers tumble and dive on the football at the 36, but it's moot as the Charlie Brown-like whiff only sent the ball perhaps six inches. That's Bill Hillgrove of WDVE. Uh, this would be – I didn't know what this was. I'm not a, a soccer fan. Uh, but when you do the move where you swing your dominant leg behind uh, your other leg and then kick the ball in soccer – um, is a Rabana, Rabona? Try to kick it behind the I mean, leg, like yeah. a behind the back. Yeah, I can come leg. up with another name for it. Yeah, <laughs> a boner. You could call it a boner as well. There, that's where you went with it. Yeah. I mean, there are multiple other names. This shouldn't be complimentary. Anyway, it went six inches, humiliating. And I, I wrote in the end round uh, that poor Chris Boswell should probably stay off the internet. I would say twelve years, <laughs> just to <laughs> play it safe. Anyway, let's move on. One last uh, yes, thing. One more point, Chris Wesley. John Harbaugh has Mike Tomlin's number. That's four straight wins for the Ravens over the Steelers and six out of the last seven. Wow. Hmm. Yummy. Let's move on to the NFC East. Play fake. Quick slant. Odell's got it at the 20. Cuts at the 15. He's to the 10, to the 5. Touchdown, Giants. Bam, just like that. 26 yards. Odell celebrates his... 24th birthday yesterday with a touchdown on Sunday against the Eagles. It's Bob Papa, right? I got Greg Papa here, Sid. Oh, it is Bob. My oh. bad. My bad. We're going to have to look. Well, at least you went out of your way to throw her under the bus. Well, because That's... I'm getting a lot of Bob Papa heat on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. We've been misidentifying whoever the Giants guys. Anyway, this is Bob Papa. Sid, you're still on Rushmore. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Thank you. Do, you. They can't take Appreciate you off. It. They're not going to sand you off, Rush. Well, it's too much work to take you off, so let's just, you know, keep her there. Anyway, Bob Papa with the call. Odell Beckham put his team ahead early, and the Giants stayed in front for the rest of the afternoon, eventually heading home with a 28-23 win over the Eagles in a game. Oh, that's right. Old Danny boy, the old Zeus, locked it up. Chris Wessling, that's three in a row. Count them. Patrick. 
Are we up to 50% on locks of the week yet? Hatchet, <laughs> baby. 28-23 <laughs> uh, win uh, over the Eagles in a game that ended with a big fourth down stop in the red zone, Chris Wessling. Uh, the Eagles gave away points in this game, and it cost them dearly. Yeah, they, it was a mistake-filled game for the Eagles, starting with Carson Wentz's first two possessions ended in interceptions that really set the Giants up for touchdowns on both of those. So they were already down 14 to nothing to start. And then two different situations where it was fourth and short in easy field goal range. Doug Peterson opted to go for the fourth down instead of field goals. Giants sniffed out both of them. They lost six points there. They lost another three points on a blocked field goal from Caleb Sturgis. Mm. And then with the game on the line, Connor Barwin and Jordan Hicks combined for a spectacular play. Barwin batted the ball down. Hicks intercepted it, diving interception. Gave the ball to the Eagles in the red zone with a chance to win the game. Wow. Fourth and ten, Carson Wentz and Jordan Matthews couldn't get on the same page on an end zone fade, which was fitting considering the red zone troubles all day. Eagles are in last place in the NFC East. Four and four. They've had their chances. This is this game's the story of their season, really, where it feels like they kind of look like the better team in some ways in terms of their in position to score more often than the other team, and they just don't finish it out. Well, part of this was it started with Odell Beckham's brilliance. The 26-yard slant touchdown is not a touchdown. Definitely no other receivers on, on the Giants is taking that more than seven or eight yards, and most other receivers in the league aren't taking that for a first down. He takes it for a touchdown. Mike Wallace might be the only one. He had a 95-yard I don't think Mike Wallace has beaten the angle that Odell Beckham no, beat on that play. And that's why Odell Beckham has the highest uh, receiving touchdowns per game rate in NFL history. Greg, um, Odell Beckham is a special, special player. Well, he's a lot better than uh, Mike Wallace. That's for sure. <laughs> what are you getting at? I was just That was kind of just, you know. This side. Eagles team Little is... football talk. Little <laughs> football head stuff. They are 1-4 over their last five games and now play the Falcons, Seahawks, Packers, Bengals, and Redskins, and then the Ravens, Giants, and Cowboys. It doesn't, it doesn't really ease up for them. I, I, this was the team after they were started out 3-0 and and Carson Wentz, the play he was playing early, still think there's a lot to like about Carson Wentz, but yes. this is an incomplete offense that is struggling with their wide receiver problem. It sounds like someone stepped up today, though, a newcomer. Uh, Bryce Treggs. Uh, Treggbaum? Treg bomb. Yeah, nice, bro. They use him apparently as their go route specialist. Carson Wentz hit him on a 58-yard play action pass, and they tried another deep pass down the sideline. After failing to trade for Torrey Smith, he stepped up a bit. But they aren't getting much out of Nelson Aguilar and getting nothing out of Doriel Green Beckham. Ah, they're terrible. Um, and yeah, it's probably a personnel issue. But Mark, some solace for you in what's been a tough season, of course, with the Browns. That Carson Wentz is not going to have some thirteen and three glory boy season where he wins offensive rookie in the year. You got I mean, I you're not rooting you know, against the kid. I'm not but at all. A little bit of solace that it he's is, not going to have a special season. I mean, Maybe you, a little bit. You can against. sell I mean, I like it. You can bit. sell it as solace. I mean, I it's barely on my radar. It sounds it, honestly. Oh, it's on your radar. You no, know, because when like. they're losing these games, it, I understand that Carson Wentz has made you know a few more mistakes in the last couple. He's caught. He's he was turnover. He was not a turnover guy early on. That's happening, but I see it as an issue with the whole. Scheme, not just him. I don't think Wentz is at fault for this. But more my point that no glory boy. There is, if you listen, he's not. He's not lifting the where Lombardi. we are with this NFL season. Where my personal interests lie, there is zero solace on any front. What? What? I is, believe you when you zero. say zero. What is your feelings about you know Paul Perkins getting more carries this week or will you know they they mixed hey, up the Paulie. tight end rotation? Well, get Will Tybe in the mix a little less of Larry Denell, McAdoo making some moves. I mean, you're running for two point three yards per carry. Wesling fried the Giants' ground game on Thursday. Nothing has changed on that front. Well, let me make a point about this. 
giant. They got wasted. They scored. They passed. Eli passed for as many touchdowns today as he had in his last four games combined. Don't think that means the offense is fixed. After Sterling Shepard's 32-yard touchdown to open the third quarter, they have less than 50 yards the rest of the way combined. Mm. And this offense is averaging 68.3 rushing yards per game, which would be the Giants' worst rushing attack in 75 years. Wow. They had seven 30-point games last season when they were a bad team. They have zero 30-point games this People year. forget how bad the Giants were for how long in the, in the 70s, too. Three that, that is a crazy... At least they're trying to change something. Like, they didn't have Cruz in there quite as much, which I think makes well, he, sense. he got injured. No, but before that, uh, he didn't start the game. He was in and out of the game. You know, they're at least trying to mix in some of the younger players. All right, so the Giants are now 5-3, and three, alone in second place in the NFC East. Hey, guys, you think they made up ground? Well, let's find out. Nailed it. <laughs> second down and six at the 26. Prescott deep out to the right. No one covered Witten at the 10, and he walks it in. Touchdown, Witten. He's a touchdown machine, I tell you. <laughs> All right, calm down, Brad Sham of KRLD. By the way, one more point, uh, Sid. You have here Greg Papa. You had two Gs at the end. I just looked it up on Google. Greg Papa is one G. Well, here's so, – I just – that was so that an was homage to our Greg. Yeah, mm. I know. Everyone but should spell their name. Way to drop G's. homage in a big spot. Yeah, good homage in a big spot. But Good's I just want to say, Sydney, I can forward you uh, the human resources direct email <laughs> if you want to clean up some of this behavior that we're see- receiving. Right, that I just, that's outrageous. I just feel like accuracy is what we're looking for here. Well, no one would have known. Only you. I, I mean, it's yeah, it's handwritten notes. Could have addressed yeah. it after the show. I felt some coaches would handle it in that way. Thank you. You know, take it outside of the public and just take her aside after the show. Right. I don't you're, think it's you're a thank more, you. I think you're more of the you know. John Gruden style. Let's burn my bridges with all my, my uh, players. You know, recently Chad Johnson shared a story uh, <laughs> that the, when the, the Patriots came back from their 2010 season when the Jets beat the Pats at home, the first thing Bill Parcells did in the fir- or uh, Bill Belichick did in the team meeting was bury Tom Brady in front of everyone. Why? Because he doesn't like Tom Brady? No, and- because he knows that Tom Brady is a franchise stud like Sidney, and sometimes when you send a message to the stud in front of the whole room so what are and you the saying? audience, then people so – the What are you saying about uh, Mark Gregg and I, that we're so bad that you have to send a message to Sidney? You guys are role players. Sydney is an absolute <laughs> stud. Here's what Bill Belichick should have said. Get <laughs> out, out of the room, one. Chad Johnson. You're going to cost us a championship. <laughs> I mean, yeah, talk year. about a guy that was, you know, not exactly the missing piece for that Patriots team. I do like whenever Chad Johnson, you always, Greg, have a shot about oh, yeah. the Super Bowl. Well, did it, not play it's well. true. It's, it's a fair had, shot. If they had spent their $5 million elsewhere or just not on him, they would have won the Super Bowl. Or maybe year. better gloves for Wes Welker. But anyway, you had Albert Hainsworth, too. So that's that was Bill Belichick's bizarre year. And yet we digress. Anyway, the Cowboys keep rolling. One G and Greg Papa. Dak Prescott threw three touchdowns, including the one you just heard. Well, several minutes ago to Jason Witten and uh, Zeke Elliott continued to enhance his rookie of the year bona fides in a 35-10 win over the hapless Browns in Cleveland. Mark Sessler, so much for the talk of a trap game for Big D. Well, there, you know, it's funny that even bubbled up on the broadcast early. That could, could this be a trap game? And I, I'm sure we'll hear the same thing when Cleveland plays Baltimore on Thursday night. Enough, because we, we talked about in the preview for this that Cleveland's defense and secondary is such an issue that you'd have to literally be injury beset or completely stumble over yourselves or show up potentially not sober to the game to not pile up yardage and points against this Browns defense. And they went right at them with the number one weakness that Cleveland's dealt with all year long, and that is not 
the inability to deal with playmaking tight ends. Jason Witten had 100-plus yards 31 minutes into this game, but the game was over much sooner than that. You knew that Dallas, on their first two drives, right down the field, clock-chewing, effective touchdown drives, that this thing was over. Cleveland was moving the ball to some degree on offense. It didn't matter. Their defense is an open barn door that you can roll through. Ezekiel Elliott continued to look. You know, they say, oh, Ezekiel Elliott, 92 yards. Why not the heights of previous weeks? Didn't need him to. The guy was yanked midway through the fourth quarter. Every little part of Dallas's offense was used in this game, and Cleveland's defense was fully exposed from minute one. This was uh, another game with more than 400 yards of total offense for the Cowboys. I think the streak now is up something about six weeks in that range. Yeah, and they are for real. They are for real. You want to go mess with the chemistry and change the quarterback and do all that? Have a nice time with it. This Dallas team couldn't agree more with what Chris said. This is the team in the NFC, barring something strange, that has to be dealt with. They are streaking towards the Super Bowl. Whoa! Hot, 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 hot. They're that good. Ezekiel. They, they are, but they, they also, last week, were – a very lucky couple of bounces away from losing at home to the Eagles, and that's what happens. It's NFL games against division rivals. I don't think they're uh, an unbeatable team. Oh, I'm not saying they're unbeatable, but they win games in different ways. They're not a one-trick pony. They get into a tight situation. They got themselves out of it today yeah. against a lesser team. They dropped a hammer right away. They deserve to be considered the favorites in the NFC, and if you think differently, you're making excuses for other teams instead of giving the Cowboys. Well, no, it's looking Three. ahead. It's not. It's assuming that what we've seen to this point isn't what we're going to see. So you're looking ahead and you see the Seahawks offensive line is no problem and their lack of a ground no, game is no problem. not at all, I have faith in them. You know, it, this is off topic, but I have faith in them figuring things out later in the I season. I agree that, that Dallas is not just going to roll in there. Figure things out. But right, Dallas, but Dallas right now, uh, there's not – Problems you want to pick emerge, on their defense? Though. That's how the NFL season goes. It's not like this is going to be the team we see in week 13. Honestly, Everything well, is then, honestly, then let's do the week 13 recap Considering right now. their lack of experience, they could continue to yep. grow and get better throughout their the season. Their defense could get better. It's been, it's been unbelievable. Two of the most well promising coached. aspects of their team are guys in their first season. They're only going to get better and learn. So I think uh, I think Dallas certainly earns it. I think if we see a Seattle-Dallas playoff game, knowing how Seattle plays in the postseason – I think it's a very good game. I would love to see that. Sure. Or an Atlanta-Dallas game. That would be fun to watch. Uh, Let's move on. Check in on the defending NFC champions. Newton brings him up, sets him down with a three-by-one set, three receivers spaced out to the left. The third down play to throw. Newton end zone, middle of the end zone, caught a wide open Greg Olson. It's Carolina leading six to nothing. It wasn't pretty, but the Carolina Panthers got the job job done on Sunday at the Coliseum, leaning on their defense and the offensive dysfunction of their op- opposition and a 13-10 win over the Rams. Mark Sessler. Uh-oh, who locked it up? That'd be Greg with two Gs. Ah, oh, I locked double it G. up. Oh, double G. What do you think about this, Wes? We're starting to lock things up on the reg. I mean, I'd like to see it sustained for more than two weeks. Lock game on fleek. I, right? Almost like, like Greg's Greg shoes. Oh, yeah. Greg's got some white sneakers. Put them up there for oh. everyone to see, Greg. A lot of them up. Oh, the soapers. Look at those babies. Oh, they're so oh, white, just like us. Um, you walked into a store and purchased those for yourself. Oh, yeah. I love them. <laughs> What's wrong with those shoes? All right, they're fine. Whoa, what was got that? A lot of, I've got that? a lot of You don't heat. like them? They're a little squeaky. Whoa, squeaky. They're a little. little kind of like somebody that works at a sanitarium. They have to wear the white shoes. They're nice. They're good. Hmm. All right. Well, it's Shoe heat. 
Let's break this down a I little mean, later. I mean, I'm not taking shoe criticism from Sessler over there. Give me <laughs> Nor do I put myself out there as someone that should be dishing that out, but I, you know, they stand out to me. Uh, Mark, the Rams, they got a late score to make it respectable. Al Michaels would have liked it. But it sounds like we are getting closer to golf life in well, L.A. You know, about midway through the third quarter, I got up and uh, walked outside just to sit down on this little ledge outside our workplace. And I very nearly just got in my car and went home because this game was a hard watch. It really was. And I, you know, listen, I I don't, I don't want to, I don't have a million takeaways from this game. This was a pathetic showing of football on the offensive side for both teams. I will give St. Louis some credit. They are a team that wants to score about 10 points a game. Check. And (laughs) St. Louis, sorry, the Los Angeles, nothing's changed from that. St. Louis team to this Rams team in Los Angeles. Let's start right there. They punished Cam Newton. Aaron Donald played a fantastic game and disrupted Carolina from the start. Carolina wants to run the ball. They could not do it today. 2.4 yards per carry. Jonathan Stewart never got off track. But you're playing the Rams, so you put up 13 points. And if another team with a competent offense punished Carolina in this way, we'd be talking about a 2-6 and Panthers team that that is done. Instead, they're hanging around three and five. I'm not sure that there aren't a lot of concerns for the Carolina Panthers, but the Rams, they've got a bigger one. They want to live this lie that Case Keenum is a starting quarterback that you roll through the season with. He misses a wide-open Brian Quick deep down the sideline at one point, and he missed all sorts of throws, and he killed him with a turnover, an interception, a great catch by Thomas Davis in the second half. Let's hear what, up points. Let's hear what Jeff Fisher had to say. Last week, of course, he was uh, steadfast in his support for Case Keenum. A little bit more on the fence, Greg Rosenthal, after Sunday's game. Case wasn't the reason that we lost this game today. You know, we just we just didn't make plays in all three phases. So, you know, we'll we'll circle the wagons with the coaches and look at the tape. But I'm pleased with the way Case has fought. Uh, and also, um, as I say consistently, repeatedly, week after week, I'm pleased with Jared's progress. I mean, that, it doesn't sound like any type of uh, change is imminent, by, but the, the words he chose, Greg, it's important I, to read through the read the tea leaves. Well, when he said we have to go back and look at it, and he also ha- did an interview with the team, I believe, on the local station where he, he said, you know, we'll consider everything. Usually when they start saying we'll consider yes. everything, it, it's change time. I don't like him saying that they did that they made mistakes in all three phases. Well, that's going to happen to every team every week, but this defense did all it could right. to keep this right. team in the game. What I, more this do is you how they're built. The, the, the Panthers had 244 yards. I didn't watch this game closely or anything, but that's great. I mean, that's a tiny, tiny amount. Oh, it was a punt fest. Yeah, and they got, they got a bunch of yardage on a late garbage touchdown, essentially. I would think, and listen, Greg, football's a business. The NFL, it's a business. Odell Beckham, a great talent. Why are you telling me? I'm this? speaking in Trumpisms right, okay. right on the eve of the election. But uh, <laughs> the fact that the Rams. Uh, stadium, that was your Trump? I don't know. It's terrible. I can't do it. I can't do a Trump. <laughs> I, we won't have to worry about it in a couple of days, so we're cool. The fact that uh, there's uh, 80,000 people at the Coliseum chanting for Jared Goff. Ownership knows they're trying to build a fan base back in L.A. I, I would be very surprised if we don't see him in the next Los Angeles game. Wes, I know you've been very strong about. Uh, this idea that Goff is not ready, so don't put him in when he's not ready. But you can't just send out a guy in Case Keenum every week. You can't do it. I'm not saying we have to trust the Rams coaching staff because when it comes to quarterbacks, they're the least trustworthy 
coaching staff in the league, including Jeff Fisher, who wants to play both sides of the fence and say Case isn't the reason we lost this game, although they spent all offseason telling us Case Keenum went 4-0 down the stretch as if Case Keenum was the reason they were winning those games. Right. You can't play both sides of the fence. I got a text this afternoon from somebody who was at the stadium and asked me, who's, who's Goff? It was obviously somebody who's not a football fan, but he said they keep yelling this guy's name the whole game. <laughs> Can I say one thing before? Because Case Keenum, we're going to hear it from some Rams fans. He is not to blame for a pass at the goal line to Lance Kendricks. Right on the numbers, Kendricks just allows it to bounce off him to the ground. That's a big misplay he, for the Rams. But they are a they are going to give you 13 to 17 points a game tops. In Lan- and Lance Kendricks' uh, defense – and the replay, it shows it did not hit him center in the 88. It was maybe a little bit like three inches to where an eight was. Oh. You got to put it on the guy. I mean, if it's you or I, it needs to be put <laughs> softly into our hands. We will not catch anything. But this guy needed to catch that. Keenum. I think it's time. Yeah. What? If you watched preseason, I think it was evident that Jared Koff wasn't close to being ready to play in the NFL. But I think it's time after you start giving him first team reps, which they did during the bye week. It's time. You you know what Case Keenum is. See what the rookie is. And you're not a playoff team. Let's stop pretending that we are. You're not. So now it is time. I couldn't agree more. And I, I think this Panthers team, they're going to be in primetime here coming up a little bit. I, I think they're going to matter in the second half. I know this isn't a pretty performance, but their I defensive line came out looking like a different defense last week. They did it again. You're absolutely right about they that. They did it again today. They got a chance. If you the have same Cam way the Cam was punished, defensive. they punished Case Keenum. Their, their, their defensive line since the bye has come to life. That's and the, the wild card race in the NFC couldn't be more wide open. It's right. like the AFC South's entire division is the wild card it's race. Ju- it should be said on the on the, uh, the same time though. There's just not a lot of juice watching the Panthers right now. Especially they've got today, issues. Example, just there just seems to be something missing it, here. If you he was Cam Newton, I think there were only two or three quarterbacks hit less than Cam Newton last year. It is the opposite right now, and they said it in the NBC pregame show before Sunday Night Football. I agree with this. He does not seem to trust his offensive line, and there's a good reason for that right now. Wes, I think the uh, friend of yours that didn't know who Goff was, uh, after Keenum threw an interception in the third quarter as Fox threw a break, you could hear some guy by one of the parabolic mics uh, hollering, Tebow, Tebow. Could have been the person who sent me the text. Maybe. Uh, Let's move uh, to the AFC East. Nick Folk with a high end over end kick to Kenyon Drake at the far side left five yard line. He brings it out to the 20, gets to the 25, has a lane across the 30. He's loose at the 40, right sideline 50, at the jet 40. He might go. 30, 20, 10, go Kenyon. Touchdown. Hard to believe. The Jets give up a kickoff return for a touchdown with 5.15 to go in the fourth quarter. And now the Dolphins have the lead again. That's my boy, Bob Wischusen of WEPN. Uh, An absolute killer for the Jets. Just when it looked like the Jets were about to steal one in Miami, Kenyon Drake took a Nick Falk kickoff uh, to the house uh, after a penalty, uh, offsides penalty on the Jets allowed for a re-kick to rub it in. The decisive blow in a 27-23 win for the Miami Dolphins. Um, The Jets, wait. Oh, no. No. No, no, no. All right, bye bye. Pull the plug, Sid. The Jets, in spite of themselves, had put themselves in position to win this game when Ryan Fitzpatrick connected with Jalen Marshall on an 18 yard touchdown with five minutes to play. 
Jets D getting stops every single time in the second half. But then in true Jet fashion, I say I've been saying it for four years in this podcast, they, they find ways to really stick it to the fan base. They're very good at that. Uh, this time uh, with the game all but one with one more stop, they give up a kickoff for a touchdown that essentially leaves them without a pulse at the season's halfway point. And meanwhile, the Dolphins, gentlemen, have won three straight. Okay, so that's good. Good we didn't fork them. But, Feeling good about themselves. But there were no playoff teams to be found in Hard Rock Stadium. A fun, entertaining game, but not one that you're going to you know, send to Canton. Put it that way. <laughs> Shouldn't we give Adam Gase some credit? I mean, we, we suspected that he might have been a little overmatched. And Greg has said his performances at the mic have not been good. But he's rebuilt this team around Jay Ajayi, and they have fit, they have fit their scheme to his strengths, as Bucky, Books wrote, Bucky Brooks wrote last week. Last three games, he's had the most yards in a three-game span since Adrian Peterson's 2012 MVP. And it's interesting because Connor Orr, who wrote this up, watched this game closely, called this because he had the two 200-yard performances Today, 111 yards. Called this the best performance of the three. I, I'll have, I to, have to watch say, that because last week was more. I watched this game closely, obviously. He had a 30-yard touchdown run, uh, great blocking, got around the corner, and then got absolutely stuffed for the better part of three quarters and then probably got, gained about 40 yards on the last drive when the Jets were basically done and they were running out the clock. So this was uh, – uh, you give him credit. Well, maybe the he's making in the opponent versus who they were playing Against before. the opponent, yeah, yeah, that was great. I will mention also – Tough to run also, on the Jets. Most teams don't even yeah, try. But last, last week's tackle-breaking performance against the Bills was the best game I've seen by a running back and, all year. And one more note. He Two had, weeks ago. He had a touchdown on a 30-yard run. Uh, both. All right, so Jay Ajayi, just a, a guy – at Both best. Sheldon Richardson and Mo Wilkerson, for disciplinary reasons, most likely did not play in the first quarter. So that was odd. You're going against no, not the Jet defense uh, that's been stuffing people all season long. And Wes, you you made the comment on Thursday show that the circus was back in town with the Jets. It's not as bad as the bad old days with Tebow and the, uh, uh, things of that nature. But stuff like this, the one quarter ban, uh, we saw. That's uh, supposed to be your leaders. Wilkerson, by the way, didn't speak to the media. I don't know about either of those guys. I got to be honest That's in terms of what kind of what kind of locker room guys those are. I know they gave Mo a lot of money. So, Throw in Revis for the leadership uh, angle. Well, and Brandon Revis. Marshall's your best locker room guy. You got trouble. The Jets have a, it looks like to me they have a chemistry issue and uh, and also a talent issue. So it's kind of a a lost season. Uh, but the Dolphins. They deserve credit. I think the, it's still a hard team to watch on offense. I know uh, they they have tried to change things from last year to make them a little more dynamic. But it, uh, Handsome Hank, uh, who I was in contact with all day on our instant messenger client, a big Dolphins fan, um, says it's clear to him, and I saw the same thing, that Gase and Tannehill, that is not a match still. There's not a lot of trust uh, from Gase to Tannehill, not, not giving him a lot of options. Perfect example at the end of the first half. Uh, in a 14-13 game, Dolphins up. Uh, he takes a sack, Tannehill, so, but they have two timeouts, 30 seconds at their 40. You know, you could still make a couple of plays, get into field goal range. Gay says, no, let's get the hell out of here. They go to <laughs> the – which I hate when coaches do that, but if it's an issue where I don't trust my offense to make plays and execute, maybe you do take the lead into the locker room. But it just shows you something. They're trying to limit his exposure, view. and it's working. I mean, Ajayi, uh, Ajayi he is – not a fluke, I don't think. I don't think I, he I is think either. The size and the lateral movement that he has is rare. I mean, the power, yeah. it, the 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 ability to move his feet at that size is is incredible. And I mean, I think he might be in it for good here. Th- those second year running backs between him and Gordon, I think they're going to be around a while. Then, oh, go ahead, Wes. I was going to say Kenyon Drake 
the guy with the kickoff return. Moving up my Canyon rankings. Really? Where is he at now? He's third behind Canyon Martin and Canyon Marathon runners. Yes. <laughs> I had a feeling you were going to go there, Wes. Thank you. And I, I you did not disappoint me. Uh, <laughs> Waiting for Mark's disapproval. Mark, your thoughts on that bit? That was a good bit. <laughs> hey, uh, I got uh, before we throw it to Keith. I just want to say. I although I was getting a little bit excited about the prospect of a five and five into the bye week, I picked against the Jets this week. I, I was never really thinking they were a good team. My dad is a true Jet fan, a true uh, fan in the sense that no matter where they are in the standings, he's excited for the game, whether they're ten and three or three and ten. And the losses and w- losses hit just as hard. Let's hear Keith after a killer Jets loss. His name is Keith. He's Dan's dad. No doubt about it, he's a big Jets fan. What is he gonna say about the game today? What is he gonna say about the game today? Jets week nine. <laughs> Only the Jets can blow a game like this today. Today, it was absolutely ridiculous. After they came back to get ahead, and then after they uh, re-kick, and then the guy returning at 96 yards. Totally outrageous. Uh, Fitzpatrick is absolutely maddening in the way he's uh, inconsistent. Put Petty in and let's move on. Uh, that's it. Thanks. Hey, listen. He, he nailed. He nailed the biggest takeaway for the Jets right there. It's time. It is absolutely time. I know Todd Bowles. There's loyalty involved, uh, which is an overrated thing in in football and sports in general sometimes. But Ryan Fitzpatrick threw a touchdown to put them ahead, and you know they probably had. I would guess. Uh, 85% chance to win at that point. So you might say, oh, well, that's why we're going to bring him back. But Fitzpatrick threw two more killer interceptions, including a dreadful, dreadful red zone pick. And you're not going anywhere. We all know that. And why not? Let's see what we got. You know, who knows? Bryce Petty might be terrible, but let's see what we got. And maybe you'll catch some magic in a bottle. And you know what you have going into the offseason. I'm sick of it. I'm with you, Dad. Let's move on. Bortles raising the right leg, waiting for it under pressure. Holds on, fires it late, the pass is incomplete, and the Chiefs hold the fort! Steven Nelson defends the crossing pattern intended for the receiver, Brian Walters, and the Chiefs plant the kingdom flag on fourth down and three and hold the fort with 155 we got it to with go the fort. in the game. Little Steven Nelson popping a big spot. Really? I like that call. That it's really like that on call. message with the whole hold the fort. Yeah, Chiefs, thing. fort, That's got there. it. Nailed it. Mitch Holdis, KCFX 101, the Fox. The Chief took advantage of an avalanche of Jaguars' mistakes and made a stop in the final minutes that you just heard to preserve a 19-14 win over the putrid Jacksonville Jaguars. Wes, the Chiefs are rarely pretty, but they continue to get the job done. And can we relegate the Jags? Is that is that in play? Whoa. But the Jaguars, I, speaking of teams that London. need to sit the starting quarterback, the Jaguars at the top of the list. You cannot keep going entire first halves without moving the ball. And I think that J- that Blake Bortles' mechanical issues are so severe that they're affecting his receivers to the point where you question the receiver's effort at this point. Julius Thomas, Allen Robinson, I don't know if they're running out their r- routes at full speed. I don't think they trust the quarterback to put the ball on them. And I don't know if, if I blame them. Blake Bortles isn't an effort issue. You won't see a quarterback trying more on scrambles sacrificing his body. He knows he's terrible as a thrower right now. 
The Jaguars have to sit him down and fix that throwing motion because they're killing their team, and I know they're attached to him, the current regime, but they're not going to fix this without sitting him down. He's a mess. Get him fixed. What a terrible fix to be in as an organization because it looked like they were they had won this when they boldly went after Blake Bortles at the top of the draft a couple seasons ago. And now you, you have no other option. You can't possibly talk about drafting someone else. And that you look at this Jaguars team from week to week, there is nothing to hang your hat on. There is they nothing. They did have happening. a ground attack today, and maybe that's a promising sign for Nathan Hackett in his first game as offensive coordinator. They go for over 200 yards wow. on the ground. Chris Ivory. That's looked, new. Chris Ivory had his best game by far and probably averaged over 10 yards per carry. He looked good. This just is a Blake Bortles issue. Any concern about the Chiefs after this game? 449 yards for the Jaguars, 231 for Kansas City. Granted, it's Nick Foles starting, Sharkandrick West, but it, it wasn't the, the Chiefs' offense. Travis Kelsey got seen. himself thrown out of the damn game for being a jackal. Oh, I loved what Travis Kelsey did. I thought it was hilarious. It brought me much entertainment. Well, which is what sports are supposed to do. Yeah. Wait a second. You you don't want your guy <laughs> taking out his talent I thought it was throwing great. at the ref. Yeah, I mean, this is the last Boy Scout, Wes. Hey, after their performance, the refs have had this year. I thought it was fine. All right. Good. Agree to disagree. One for the player. What did it come at a? How much time was left in this game when he pulled this stunt? There was plenty of time left. The Chiefs had a comfortable lead at the time. It wasn't comfortable by the end because you know. Blake Bortles starts to move the ball in the fourth quarter. West wants his playmakers acting like WWE superstars. I thought it was funny. I'm fine with it. I thought it was great. <laughs> I'm just having fun. Until we get better uh, officiating in the NFL, I'm fine with oh, it is this bad. kind of stuff. It's still bad. D Ford, five and a half sacks the last two weeks, nine on the season. And when he makes some of those offensive linemen miss, he looks like a running back he's, or something cutting through the hole. He's coming on, but to answer your question about their offense, Nick Foles had one really pretty throw to Albert Wilson for a touchdown. Other than that, really struggled with his accuracy, and they had their worst third down performance as a team on offense in many years. Ten first downs. This is one of those games, though, the Chiefs will end up being in the playoffs. There might not be a very exciting wild card race, and it's because the Chiefs just find a way to win games like this when – when they have yeah, no, no Jeremy Macklin, no Jamal Charles, no Spencer Ware, and for half the game, no Travis Kelsey. You can't expect Foles to work miracles. And you, you asked, Dan, I think it was on Thursday, if we – if in general, Andy Reid is underrated as a coach. I think he's often just forgotten in the conversations the about – The most underrated coach. coach of his generation. Well, I'll say this. If, if, you're a, if you're anyone who suffers through, you know, watching a team that – you just talk about the Jets – that just drops games in the regular season week after week inexplicably – the Chiefs, what are they, 16 of 18 in their last yep. 18 regular season games? That's phenomenal because this is not the most talented team, even in their own division, much less the AFC. Uh, let's swing back to the AFC West. Mariota back. Guns it. It's in a coverage. Picked off by Flowers to the far sideline. 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, San Diego. Brandon Flowers jumped the route, picked it off, took it in. 33 yards. And the Chargers have scored again. Josh Lewin, K-I-O-Z. Yes, our old friend Brandon Flowers. You want to make flowers today? Hit me again, Sid. You want to make flowers today? One more. You want to make flowers today? Our old friend Brandon Flowers had the game's clinching play in Melvin Gordon's comeback season. He had a high point in the Chargers' 43-35 win over the Titans. The Bolts, left for dead uh, by most after a ridiculous 1-4 start, are now 4-5. and five. 
still in the playoff picture, you know, vaguely, but in they're the in mix. It. They're in the mix. Greg, the Chargers. It's the spicy redemption. It was a Melvin Gordon game to end all Melvin Gordon games. Spice racks, Twitter mentions, lighten it up today because, you know, you said that the Flowers play was the clinching game, but this, the, the play, but this is the Chargers. You know, it's going to wait. You're going to wait until the last minute. And Tennessee scored to get within eight with a few minutes left. And you're thinking, uh oh, Tennessee's got three timeouts here. Chargers might blow this. Third and seven. What most people would have said, a give up play. Mike McCoy runs the ball with Melvin Gordon. He breaks a couple tackles. Parrish Cox has got to get chewed out by Dick LeBeau in the meeting rooms tomorrow on Monday for missing this tackle. Gordon catches a pass the next couple of plays, runs down the sideline. I mean, he has been fantastic the last couple of weeks. He's the reason they're closing these games out. It's unbelievable. Joey Bosa's in the mix, too. These two guys. Absolutely. They're going to be great next year. Gordon, what, next The Chargers. Year? Get Keenan Allen back. They're going to be great next year. He, I thought he had his best game of the year by far against Denver last week. And then this game, 200, what was it, 60? I mean, that's an outrageous number. 259 yards from scrimmage. That's and outrageous. For people that um, are maybe new to the show, uh, Chris Wessling's Desert Consigliere uh, Spice Rack, who uh, uh, works atop a, a resort in a, a pool zone, uh, he, uh, <laughs> sold, he sold himself as a man that knew the draft, set, went all in on Melvin Gordon uh, before the, uh, last year's draft, saying he was the next big thing to come into the league. And then, let's face it, Gordon laid an egg as a rookie. Maybe he wasn't right physically, but now a stud. And what were you saying about the Spicy, who's obviously a, a character that, you know, a lot of differing, differing opinions amongst our listenership. How did he handle uh, this moment of glory today? Well, he was basically, he was feeling his oats. He tweeted, where's all the credit for my Melvin <laughs> Gordon call? And welcomed all of the, uh, all the praise, all the kudos and then shot down anyone who had any criticism whatsoever in very uh, furious fashion. Spice Rack's Twitter was off the hook today. Spice Rack, if, if Melvin Gordon goes over 1,000 yards or scores 20 touchdowns, uh, his suspension from the show is lifted. Right now, barring injury, uh, he's, uh, Gordon's going to run for 1,000 yards. It doesn't mean he'll be a you know a show-by-show show or weekly contributor. He'll, <laughs> he'll come back on the show and we'll assess from there. But these Chargers, and has a lot to do with Melvin Gordon, after this game – You've got the Dolphins. You're by. You've got the Texans, a terrible Buccaneers team, and you've got a manageable schedule from there. I Every every year you get one of these midseason teams that wins three or four <laughs> or five down, in a row, and there they are. The problem is you, the AFC wildcard scenario, it's not just a division. The wildcard picture is is a cluster of teams Stuck. They've got to have grim. a massive run. I mean, you got the two wild card teams right now are six and two, and there are a lot of things can change in the second half. But the Chargers still have such a, a thin margin for error here. Absolutely, but they've shown that they haven't played as they started playing better. We haven't seen them against kind of a mediocre team, so it was nice to see them take care of business against a Tennessee team. I thought would give them big pr- tr- trouble missing their two inside linebackers. Davis Brown and Denzel Perriman, and DeMarco Murray's held to 51 yards. They did a good job shutting him down. But it's two weeks in a row, Corey Toomer's played a good game as the stand-in at inside linebacker. And, and the secondary's been great. Casey Hayward, another big interception. Flowers with the interception. Mariota had kind of hit maybe not even a season in a nutshell. He looked incredible for a lot of this game, but he had three turnovers. 
Uh, really, all of them were his fault. One he of must them, lead the world in turnovers returned for touchdowns. Right. One one of them was though he it looked like he tried to pitch it on a run that had no chance of going anywhere. He was just trying to do too much. He made some incredible p- positive plays in this game, but the they have a bright future. Him. Yeah. About those Chargers. You like? Them. You think they're gonna make the playoffs? No, probably not. Um. All right. Never know. Let's move on. Uh, there's the 49ers are on the schedule, so we got to talk about a game that. Oh involves. no. Breeze handing it off, and look at the hole for Ingram up to the 40, 45, 50 foot race down the far sideline, 30 down to the 25, 20, 15, 10, five touchdown Saints. Welcome back, Mark Ingram. Uh, that's Jim Henderson at WWL. Everyone loves to play the 49ers. On Sunday, it was the Saints' turn, who scored early and often en route to a 41-23 win that has pulled New Orleans all the way back to 500 after an 0-3 start. Greg, uh, I refuse to give any team too much credit for beating uh, Chip Kelly's band of zombie gold diggers. But your boys <laughs> do deserve credit for keeping themselves in the picture, in the big picture. Yeah, they shouldn't d- deserve much credit from this, but they did what they had to do, and I liked... Uh, themes continuing. Mike Thomas is their number one receiver. He made an incredible touchdown play. And Ingram and Tim Hightower are leading this new run-heavy type of approach. It was a lot of Hightower early, but the two of them combined for 245 yards on 38 Which is about what the 49ers give up on an average base. Right, but it's nice to see the Saints just do that. Their offensive line is better. And uh, you know what's been a big key for them? They re-signed Jari Evans uh, during the season, and that's kind of Seahawks didn't want him. It's kind of shored up their offensive line. They've they've given Breeze protection. It, you know, I've said it ad nauseum. A move that was laughed at when it happened when Evans signed with them. I, you know, I think that we've been I've been especially critical of Sean Payton and the Saints for you know three or four weeks ago. You cookie cutter the same team we've seen a hundred times. This is a spicy playoff level offense if they can get any sort of semblance on defense or just keep scoring 35 or 40 right. points you never know what could happen in the trashy nfc they could sneak into january for a second i i try to convince myself that you know the defense is showing some things kenny vaccaro's playing well colin kaepernick passed for cameron, 398 yards well, colin this is, kaepernick this is where i was going though yeah this is wow. where I was going. Cameron Jordan's playing well. You know, it's Delvin Bro's back. This is that. Bro. And then you look, and the 49ers have like 500 yards against the city. Oh. It's just forget it. Anything to like from they got Sheldon Rankins back, probably not a lot to see. but little Ranko talk. Well, I mean, he, good. that it's, was a huge draft pick for them, and that sabotaged them early. This is a couple road wins for them. They they beat San Diego. They also really outplayed the Giants. You know, it hasn't really been the crazy road home split. That that's something they could be positive this year. This isn't all his fault. Far from it, because they 49ers have done everything in their power to take what had a chance to be a team that would be good for years and turn them into what they are now, which is a laughing stock. And that responsibility goes up and down. Uh, but remember when Chip Kelly was a thing? Well. And he was a thing because if you come into the NFL with something new and that's something that's proven to work on some level and it, you get, you get catch everyone off guard as he did. I'll never forget that opening primetime game against the Redskins in the first half. It does. It feels like decades ago. And there was, there were a couple fascinating articles written, you know, before the season, how that offense has been figured out. His scheme has been figured out and I'm sorry, week to week, but this starts at the top. 
you know, we saw these coaches coming in and out and in and out before Jim Harbaugh ever showed up. And now we've seen it. Tom Sula's out after one year. Who knows how long Kelly's there. That that starts at the top. That's an organizational problem that goes back a long way. He's in a college. He's out of college next year. That's my prediction. Be nice to have Trent Baalke's job security. Hmm. Well, I'm All not right. sure it continues after this season. Let's move on. Which takes us to Sunday night. Carr under center turns, gives to Latavius Murray, soaring for the goal line, and he's in for the touchdown. Latavius Murray going airborne over the pile in for his third rushing touchdown of the night. And the Raiders may have just put this one away. What you heard just there was Latavius Murray, three touchdowns on the day, uh, 114 yards on the ground. Uh, He was the offense on Sunday night for the Oakland Raiders, and it was more than enough. Uh, a 30-20 to 20 victory for the Raiders over the Broncos, and frankly, the final score does not quite indicate how much Oakland dominated this football game, and uh, the Raiders now 7-2, and two, folks, all alone atop the AFC West. Mark Sessler, silver and blacker for real. I agree with you. I see what you're trying to do. What? Going to get me to talk, then you're going to drop your little oh, music clip in. Oh, Ain't happening tonight. Now. Someone else can talk. <laughs> nice try, Sid. I mean, she still kind of got you, though. Not really. Uh, anybody else want to talk about the game? Mark is texting like a disinterested. <laughs> 12, Looking at the box score 12, on my phone, actually, Greg. Upset, nice try. Upset at his dad. <laughs> Does anyone else want to analyze this segment more incorrectly? <laughs> Uh, speaking of analyzing incorrectly, I said this would be a battle between Raiders offensive line and Broncos defensive front seven, and I gave the edge to the Broncos. That could not have been more wrong. The Raiders offensive line dominated. They only had two sacks on David Carr and three quarterback hits. And moreover, 220 yards rushing and three touchdowns for Latavius Murray and the I rookie bet. duo of Jalen Richard and DeAndre Washington, what a rushing attack for the Raiders. I, I love Richard, and we talked about it going into this game, that it they're a top five or six rushing team right now in terms of yards per carry. Murray, not a fun runner to watch it when he's in the open field, but he's the key guy. He is the lead guy, 114 yards. He runs hard, and this team has an identity, and the Broncos have a problem. You know, Their run defense has been bad all year. It doesn't mean they're a bad defense, but they're not the defense they were a year ago if they have a problem week after week. That's fair. Dan's shaking his head smiling. I don't know why. No, I mean, listen. It goes just, It goes for their offense, too. I don't think you're giving the Raiders enough credit, though. I gotta. Be I just I just gave them a lot of credit. Yeah, now they, now they, all of a sudden, rushed. Denver went from, you know, two weeks ago, their defense is just <laughs> as good as anyone, and all of a sudden now their defense is a bit of a problem compared to Run last defense. year. Uh, look at the Raiders, who are now a week after Derek Carr throws for 500 yards and four touchdowns. He does nothing uh, today for the most part. He's basically in the Gabbard zone, uh, doesn't throw a touchdown pass, but now you have the running game dropping a – how about this? Bomb. The Raiders made it a problem for Denver. The Raiders turned Denver's run defense into a big problem tonight, and it's another example. It's the same thing we see from Dallas week after week. When you have a dominant offensive line, and they're the AFC's best offensive line right now, you can win in multiple ways on offense, and the Raiders are fully for real on both sides of the ball. They, they, they were Their defense was such an issue. They didn't let Denver into this game. Right. De- the defense is what's changed the most during the season. The fact that, and again, this is a problem for Denver. It's no discrediting towards the Raiders. I don't, I mean, I don't. The Raiders' yeah, defense fine. has come on 
for the most part, after the first few weeks. They've had some slip-ups. Khalil Mack has been on fire. Carl Joseph, the rookie at safety, has been a major upgrade. And I think those are the two biggest factors. And Bruce Bruce Irvin's been about what they expected. He had a good night. Mack certainly had had a good end to the night with the forced fumble. And the secondary's been better. Sean Smith wasn't even in this game. Didn't matter. And, you know, Trevor Simeon, his box score, it looks like he had a decent game. He got a bunch of garbage uh, yardage on a Capri Bibb 69-yard catch-and-run touchdown late in the game. It, here's the thing with Denver, and if their defense is not going to be as good as next year, they need more than just a guy that's a, a take-care-of-the-ball facilitator type of quarterback. And I have the last several weeks, a uh, couple of weeks especially, I don't see Simeon as good enough to take this team uh, over the top if the defense isn't going to be playing well, at and high you, level. Well, and you want to be a defensive-led team that destroys quarterbacks and grinds out offense by running the ball, 33 yards rushing, Devontae Booker, 2.2 yards per rush. Longest rush is five yards. They miss C.J. Anderson. They do. And the idea that Devontae Booker was going to be better than C.J. Anderson, I never believed that. Hmm. Well, you needed both, at least. I like the idea of, of Devontae Booker, someone they brought in as an upgrade over you know Hillman, someone else you could add to your ground game, but him alone as a lead back, that's not happening. And, and he really had the one good game, Simeon, since he came back. But really now, if you look at his last – four or five appearances, he has one good appearance. I, I don't think he's the problem. I just don't think he can carry a bad running game and a bad offensive line. Now too many things are going wrong for them to have Simeon as your quarterback. It's not a good offensive line, pass protecting or run blocking. He's not going to be able to overcome that. He's eight games into his career. We shouldn't expect him to be right. able to carry an offense. How about having the black hole on primetime Love and life. I mean, they've been waiting a long time for a 7-2 and two Raiders team to put a beat down on the Broncos in primetime. Greg, I have a question, quick question for Greg. You have to – all your earthly possessions. I don't even know what you own or how much you're worth. Not much. All of it Not put up right on now. the market. You have to answer this question. Who starts more games this season, Paxton Lynch or Jared Goff? Jared Goff for sure. Easy. I would put my, like – one hundred and thirty dollars worth of entire possessions up on Jared right. Goff. Right. In fact, I I need some. Situation. I need Dan. Some. What about the four point one million that you're holding <laughs> on to? I would definitely. I would keep my massive fortune out of this. It's just too volatile <laughs> situation. I mean, I need some help right now, and I'm I'm always willing to roll the dice. You guys know me. I I, <laughs> I will put my everything I have on the line. If anyone wants well, Lynch, I need it. That's what got you stuck working a day job, those initial issues that you had with that I was gonna specific say, issue. Ladies and gentlemen, that was uh, Greg Rosenthal's 1,000th veiled gambling reference on the Around the NFL podcast. Stop. Congratulations, Greg. That's not true. Guy had a problem. He got over it. You can, That's too. not even true. Gamblers hints hints of it reoccurring. Hints of it reoccurring. Uh, yeah, it's good to see the Where do you think he got those white shoes? <laughs> The Raiders are back in prime time. We're going to see more of the Raiders because uh, next Monday night they are and they deserve and they should be flexed into games in December. The Raiders are for real. The Raiders are right now uh, looking like the second best team in the AFC. Two division leaders facing off next Monday night in Mexico City, Houston, Oakland. And I, and I bet the Raiders fans are thinking if I was like them, I'd be thinking, why is this the year that we have to lose a home game to Mexico? Because that's a different, that's a disadvantage. How about like when Trump loses on Tuesday and he's like, you know, dealing with the aftermath of his ego taking a massive shot. And then he sits down on his leather couch 
the pre the late the Monday night after, and he just wants to get away from it all. And he sees the NFL playing in Mexico. That's got it's going to stick in his craw a little bit. I think so. He's been I, sticking in my craw all year. I hope I, I don't re-listen to that portion of the podcast in a few days' time as an innocent time uh, before I started looking for freelance writing jobs <laughs> so I can live in Japan. Right. Dan quickly <laughs> whisked away to a prison camp. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, that is the Sunday slate on that note of NFL action. The next time you hear from us, it will be uh, Tuesday where we will uh, break down the Monday night football game between the Seattle Seahawks and Buffalo Bills. Yes. And then, uh, you know, we'll have some fun. That's what we do. We try to have fun around here. Hey, make sure uh, you check us out on the old iTunes. Uh, Leave comments. Leave stars. Because that, as stupid as it sounds, makes a difference uh, in terms of the support of the show and and really how the shadowy league figures uh, view us as entities, which right now is really not much of an entity. Right. If you don't want us to see the four of us broken up because we can't afford to live in L.A., <laughs> uh, drop see, some five stars on, see, on that, iTunes. That felt a little desperate. If you want to yeah. support the show and see us continue on for mm-hmm. years into the future, drop some stars on iTunes. Or just take uh, Lynch in this whole uh, Lynch versus Goff <laughs> thing with me. Uh, just DM me. It's not good. Mark's still on his phone, by the <laughs> way. I've completely detached. All right, that's it. Let's get out of here. Um, yes. Stan Hans is signing off for Quiet Storm, the mailman, the boss, and La Cid. Behind the glass till Tuesday. It's an important Tuesday. This is my Trump. Ter- what is the what's like a Trump line? He's like, it's terrible. He's like, it's very, very bad. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.